Hello. How are you doing? But um, <clears throat> me and Brother Matthew, uh, who is there at the back there, uh, we've been over to Western Australia to see uh, Pastor Dalamomo uh, with, the, with the Aborigines folks there. And been a week long uh, preaching and uh, being with him, encouraging, that sort of thing. And uh, it, was, it was a great time because it's been there nine years and they've asked me to come over and uh, um, I didn't find the time or rather um, I said, look, we'll, we'll go there now. They have organized the church. It's a, it's a year now since they uh, registered their church. It's a legal entity. And uh, their first anniversary was uh, this May. So that was good, and uh, we enjoyed the fellowship there. And, and then on our way back, uh, we're here. <laughs> uh, and uh, Pastor Nathan, Nathan, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing your pulpit uh, to share with you uh, tonight. Actually, we talk about missions, and I, I know you will be having a missions uh, conference this week. Um, <clears throat> our country, uh, uh, so far as the Baptist Circle is concerned, we are some 54 years. Uh, the first missionary that came is uh, in 1962. Uh, that's a long, 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 long time. But uh, so far as missions overseas has not been our, um, we haven't engaged ourselves in that. And it's been a, uh, a situation for us for a, for a long time. But recently, uh, Pastor Dalla Momo has uh, made his first step out, uh, so to speak, walking on water, uh, trusting the Lord. And he's been down there, and uh, it is very encouraging to see uh, that the work down there, you know, connecting ourselves, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, we made some friends, and... Uh, they're coming over to Mount Hagen. Three families, actually. We've asked them to come, and they're looking forward to our pastor's conference in, uh, in September, a national pastor's conference. So that is going to encourage the missions there uh, because they come over and see. We've been down there to visit them, uh, all that. And uh, Pastor Dalla really is the first uh, uh, missionary uh, out uh, to come to Australia Kagoli, and to minister to the Aborigines folks. We are now beginning to <clears throat> send folks over. One has gone to Fiji. Uh, Brother Tori is uh, gone there. He's been to school there, and uh, now he's gone. He's there now. And uh, the third one uh, is uh, Dominic Kelly and his wife, Natasha. They're out of our church. Uh, but the good thing uh, is that Dominic Kelly has uh, gone round, round to church churches to do his deputation. And the church folks there, very surprisingly, but uh, they're very supportive. And half of, his, uh, half of his support is coming from other churches. So folks, uh, I know you've been trying very hard in whatever you were helping us to, to see that vision, which is uh, uh, doing mission work outside of our own area. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to say that there's some fruits or there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, being Pastor Dalamomo coming over and uh, Matthew and myself going over there to actually see it 
it's, it's very, very encouraging to see how he mingles among the Aborigines folks and, you know, that sort of thing is uh, it's very encouraging. And uh, for now, Dominic is over in the Solomon Islands. Uh, Tori, Marissa is over in Fiji. And hopefully, um, um, Bobby Kipoi is looking at Irin Jaya. Uh, really, we share the border, the New Guinea Island, we share the border. It really is uh, Papua New Guinea, a Melanesian country, but at the stroke of a pen, somebody decided to put the partition there. They call it Indonesia now. So uh, he's going to Indonesia. <clears throat> and uh, it is very encouraging. And as we hear that uh, uh, you'll be holding a missions conference, um, I just want to share on missions, um, just probably to warm you up for the conference that is to come. Um, our commission, our vision, and our mission. Just briefly, because uh, Brother Nathan, uh, Pastor Nathan told me you got very limited time. Uh, so I am very scared. He scared me with the timing. So I told Brother Matthew, please, by all means, if you see I'm going over, do something so that I can, uh, I can, I can come down. But uh, our commission, the most important job, missions. Every other thing we do is to facilitate the greatest job. Because the Lord Jesus himself was the first missionary, as, as we all know. And then when he left, he left us with this command uh, for missions. So really, uh, if there's any job that is the greatest job of all, is the job of missions. And some of us were kind of in the, uh, in the wilderness for a while and only now and recently, now that, the, uh, that we've sort of woken up to it and I'm talking about our country, hopefully there'll be more of that. I see at the back, uh, uh, church folks, uh, it is encouraging. And coming over and seeing actually you taking part and Brother Peter actually uh, took us around your property and all that sort of thing, uh, very, very encouraging. Um, preaching and sharing and encouraging is one thing, but seeing is yet another thing. Uh, it's a thousand words, so um, it's very encouraging, uh, I must add. Matthew 28, 18, we know all that, all power given unto me in heaven. Go ye into the world, teach all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, the greatest commission, we call it, it was given by the Lord Jesus himself. Then in Mark 16, it talks about going into the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Um, <clears throat> and to baptize, verse 16, he that baptizeth be saved, um, believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And then it goes on to say in Acts 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the, and, and the uttermost parts of the earth. When we see the, the Great Commission, it is telling us go, and the word go talks about Israel as the first country, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It sounds like three places, but really it's Israel. Uh, 
and then it talks about the Otomos, which is all nations. All nations and uh, uh, both Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Um, the thing about missions is that many times we tend to look, uh, look at ourselves more than outside. Uh, when the Lord Jesus said that both, he meant both. Now, Peter was concentrating more really on the Judea ministry, the Judea and Jerusalem ministry. Uh, going into Samaria was a little bit of a problem for him. But in Acts chapter 8, as you would figure out, uh, uh, Acts, 8, uh, Acts 1, 8 talks about going out. But then Acts 8, 1 is the opposite now. They're starting to have some problems and situations and all that. And uh, upon that time that the, uh, the uh, Samaria ministry began. Because as, as Peter is uh, not particularly keen about the Sumerian ministry, let alone the Gentile ministry. But that was the command the Lord Jesus gave to Peter and his disciples. Paul came later in the scene. But uh, we see both and we see go into all the world, meaning that uh, whilst we concentrate our own areas, then the Judea ministry the Samaria ministry really is the, is the rejects and the offcuts of society. Wow. Because for a Jew to go over to Samaria is a no-no. In John 4, they couldn't understand why Christ had to go to Samaria. They were all concerned about their food supply. They ran into the city, came back, and, you know, enjoying the food. While Christ said, I must need to go through Samaria, which he did. And in Samaria... We read about the Samaritan woman and the city got saved. And really what Christ is telling the apostles is this, folks. I know you don't like the Samaritans, but uh, that's why I took you here so that you can have a look at it yourself. That the Samaritan ministry is just as important as the Jerusalem and the Judea ministry. But uh, Peter had his own ways of uh, looking at things, and uh, as you know, um, uh, it made him force him to go to Samaria when Philip started going to Samaria in Acts chapter 1, and Peter later on went to lay hands so that they can receive the Holy Ghost and all that sort of thing. What it's really saying to us is that our concentration uh, about the Jerusalem ministry on ourselves, we tend to concentrate on that more. Like I've just confessed, our country is 54 years old in the ministry. I mean, the first missionary came in 1962 in a place called Wau in the Moravia province. Uh, but now, and only now, we see that. And uh, folks, when, we, when that happens, uh, the Lord is not happy in a way, you know, and said, God, please forgive us. Forgive us. We've been, uh, we should have done more, but... Maybe we weren't, um, we couldn't see the vision. Maybe we weren't, uh, whatever, but Lord, please forgive us. So really the commission where the Lord Jesus gave was go um, to Israel. And when we see the population percentage, just for argument's sake, okay, if, if Israel is 7 million and um, the world is 7 billion, then really it's a 0.0001% of the population. So the Lord Jesus is, the, is interested in the bigger population, the world, um, and 
Israel is just only a fraction, just a drop in the ocean. So the tendency of us in the missions, talking about the Great Commission, is concentrating more on Jerusalem, um, possibly Judea, but Samaria and the uttermost still out there. Lord, help us. It's not sequential, but it's simultaneously because he says both Jerusalem and Judea to preach the gospel, Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and uh, faith in the Lord Jesus and remission of sins and granting salvation, uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's our commission. Then comes our vision. Luke 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel first to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the broken heart. They are poor, they are broken hearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. They are in prison. They need to be delivered. And recovering the sight of the blind, they are blind to set liberty them that are bruised. This is the situation where the Lord Jesus saw. Possibly the disciples couldn't see that. But the Lord Jesus saw that the world was poor, brokenhearted. They were in prison. They were blind and they were bruised. That is the vision that the Lord Jesus saw. And uh, if we share that vision, then we will be affected. But uh, what we see today and all around us is that everybody seems to be enjoying. But how is it that the Lord Jesus saw otherwise? And we see otherwise. The Lord Jesus is concerned about the spiritual status or position of all that we see. We see people enjoying, it seems, brokenhearted, spiritually poor. Spiritually, they're blinded. Spiritually, they're brokenhearted. Spiritually, they're in prison because the devil has imprisoned them. Them in prison, they need sins. The end calf of sin has really put them in prison. They need to be delivered. And then they're blind. They can't see and they're bruised. So that's the vision. And the, the commission is there to go out, to go to preach to baptize. But the vision is that the Lord Jesus is seeing that way. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities of, and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every diseases among the people. Verse 36, Matthew chapter 9, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, and they said unto his disciples, the harvest really is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers to his harvest. The first in the vision is the Lord Jesus is looking out and he's seeing two things. First, he sees sheep. There's no leaders. There's no shepherd, under shepherd, shepherd to lead them. And therefore, they're going astray into their own ways. There's no leadership. And Christ can see the need of leaders 
in this work that he is doing. And then he is saying, I can see a harvest ready to be harvested. This, as this term now in uh, May is coffee season, uh, at home. When coffee comes on, you got to pick the coffee. Uh, it'll take about a month for it to ripen and then fall. So if you got this month, some three weeks, three weeks to a month, you got to pick it. That's why people go out, the bigger plantations, they go out into the to the southern islands and to other places to bring people in so that they can pick the harvest before it rots. I mean, it's money. So that's what they normally do. They go out, bring those laborers in, and they start picking, and then process it, that sort of thing. So Christ is seeing a harvest ripen, and it needs to be harvested. He sees sheep without shepherd. He sees a harvest and no laborers. It's going to rot, and sheep are scattered and going about. The thing about this is he saw it, and his eyes could see sheep without shepherd. He saw a harvest ready and ripe that needed to be harvested, but there is no laborers. There is no leaders to lead the people, to lead the sheep that is going astray. So he saw, we should see likewise. And ask the Lord Jesus to say, say, Christ, show me the way you see. And many times we don't see the way Christ sees. We see as people, and we generalize everybody, they're enjoying life. The government provides this, that, everything. Life is so good, it seems. But really, no. They're brokenhearted. They're blind. They're bruised. They, they need a doctor. They need to be taken to the hospital. They need to be treated. That's the way the Lord Jesus is. So he needs leaders and laborers. Or leaders and laborers. Leaders that can lead and laborers that can harvest. Both together working for Christ's mission, which is what the Lord Jesus saw. So our prayer should be, Lord, you show me that I can see the way you saw. That should be our prayer. Then our ears must hear the way the Lord heard them. Many people, as we see, living lives, I don't know about here, but in our place there's drunkenness and there's drug and all that sort of thing. What they're really saying is that I need help. Many times when we hear those people, we tend to despise them and say, hey, you should shut up and, you know, get on with life and all that sort of thing. But they continue to do it. They're sending a message. They're saying, please help me. I need help. I need you. I need you, please. But then we are turning our deaf ears. We should say, Christ, please let me hear. Remove the wax in my ears so that I can hear how you heard. With those people that need help, let me see the way you saw. Let me hear the way you heard there and then. 
And today in heaven, I believe, say, please, can you just open up your eyes and see the field ripen to be harvested? Can you just hear the cries of those people out there who need help? Not only that, we need to groan. Open up our mouth and groan in us. Because the Lord Jesus said, please pray that the Lord of the harvest shall send leaders and shall send laborers. Both are needed. The people who lead and the people who follow that collect the harvest. Just pray, groan, so we can do that. The Lord Jesus, the Bible talks about this word groan in the book of John 11 uh, verse 33, he groaned when he saw Lazarus died. And he was in the grave and he saw his sisters. They were crying and weeping and wailing. And the Lord Jesus groaned. When we see, when we hear, we ought to groan in our hearts. Because the Lord Jesus had compassion. Jude 22, and of some have compassion making a difference. Compassion would make the difference. Compassion is like a car who's running so well, its engine has been serviced, is running well, and it can go and go and go and go and won't stop. If we have compassion, we will go and not stop. Many times we try to do things and we go stop because it's like an engine not serviced. And every time we push start it instead of kick-starting it. Because our heart, heart is stony, is waxed, is cold. Because the eyes affect the heart. And that ought to be. Our praise first, to pray to the Lord and said, Lord, show me, so that let me see. That will affect my heart. Show me. Remove my wax so the Lord let me hear the way you heard. And that will affect the hearts. When a baby is crying, the mother will know his own, her own baby, the way the baby cries. She may be here and the baby is crying out there, pricks the heart, bang, straight away she goes. Folks, if God can affect our hearts and we have compassion for the lost souls, then it will make the difference in our lives. But our problem is, Matthew 13, verse 15, For these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should convert, and I should heal them. But blessed, verse 16, are your eyes, for they see and he hear, for they hear. Folks, we can see, we can hear. And we can be affected in our hearts if we wish so. God will show it to us. That's the vision. And the mission, of course, is that the hand that gives, the eyes that see, the ears that hear, the mouth that groans, that affects the heart. But the address of that is that our heart has gone cold. But God help us 
that our heart must not be cold because compassion makes the difference. The Lord saw he had compassion. When he had compassion on the sisters of Lazarus, you know what he did? He went to the grave. And the Bible says he groaned in the spirit. He was so compassionate. The Bible says, the this verse, Jesus wept. And because of that, he had to raise Lazarus from the dead. Our mission, the hand that gives. The church in Philippi, chapter 4, I know you know that, verse 15. And the Philippians, he also, that in beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but he only. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica is sent once and again unto my necessity. When the heart is being affected, then the hand moves. God help us to realize this. Um, when our child is in need and we have the last bit, our savings, is sick, uh, it won't stop us from using that. Because the heart is affected and therefore we're prepared to spend at any cost because we're being affected. Lord, help us to see that way. And when that happens to us, our mission work will take a different level altogether. And God help us. And I pray that our country, we've started in this missions conference that we're going to hold in September, that our churches will catch that vision and our pastors will catch that vision because the greatest job there's no other job but missions. That's the greatest job. Everything we do, everything, everything else that we do is to facilitate that great job, which is missions. And it's only this time around that we have, it, it has done on us and God help us that uh, we will continue to do this. Thank you for your encouragement. I know this church has been of a great encouragement to our, to our folks and uh, thank you so much. And uh, I think we're catching that vision and God help us and we'll go the next mile and the next mile. Thank you so much for doing that. The hand that gives, it comes about because the heart is affected. Our eyes see differently. Our ears hear differently. And uh, we groan, we are hurt inside because of that. And when that happens, our hand starts to move. That's missions. Faith in action. Vision in action. Missions taking place when the hand that gives. And then the legs that go. Romans 10, 13 talks about people getting saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good, good things. The leg that goes. Because that's the commission. The hand that gives, the leg that goes. Uh, when Samus, uh, I saw him in the office, uh, uh, you know, when I first heard that he went to Thailand, my heart sank. Uh, not sank because uh, uh, whatever, but I felt for him. 
he had a good church, everything going on well, and I'm thinking to myself, why is he going out to Thailand? <clears throat> Brother, there was one, somebody said this, that you said, first, I was misminded, now I'm misinhearted. Then I could understand when, when the Lord showed me this, and I'm saying, wow, how true it is. When we are misinhearted, it will not stop anything. We will go and go. God help us. The legs that go and the mouth that preaches. We preach. Folks, if our heart is hurt and the compassion is affecting our heart, we'll open our mouth to tell others about the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Folks, it is not the job of the leaders only, but it is our job. But first, God, help us to see the way you saw, to hear the way you heard. And then we groan within ourselves, and our heart is being affected. Then the hand will move, and the legs will move, and the mouth starts speaking. That's missions. I just would like to share something that I uh, found on the internet about the Red Cross. Let me read this and I'll close. The history of the Red Cross. Henry Dunant, founder of the Red Cross. Jean Henry Dunant was born in Geneva on the 8th May, 1828. His character and education impelled him to help the distressed and the unfortunate and to be concerned about social work. In 1853, he was appointed as an accountant to a subsidiary company in Algeria, which, he en which entailed a certain amount of traveling. On 24th June, 1859, Dunant arrived at uh, Selfie-Reno, where he witnessed one of the fiercest battles of the 19th century. The Battle of Solferino lasted for more than 15 hours, and more than 40,000 were wounded. Dunant was filled with horror and pity as he viewed the appalling spectacle of human suffering. With the help of the villagers at uh, uh, Castelligon, he worked tirelessly without sleep for three days, giving comfort and uh, what medical care he could to the injured man. Back at Geneva, Dunant was hauntly, haunted by visions of the terrible battle, and he devoted all his strength to ensure that the terrible sufferings he had witnessed never occurred again. In 1862, Dunant wrote and published a book entitled A Memory of uh, Solverino, which he put towards uh, forward his ideas to foster the creation in every country of a society for the relief of military wounded and capable of helping the army medical services to carry out their tasks. Birth of Red Cross. Gustav Meoni, a prominent lawyer in Geneva and president of the city's society of public welfare, showed immediate interest in Dunant's ideas. Mayoni 
lost no time in setting up the Remnant International Committee of the Relief of the Wounded, which was later known as the International Committee of the Red Cross. That's the history of the Red Cross, uh, how it started. Folks, we have a Red Cross that we will have to fight for. Geneva, Switzerland, as you know, this country is a neutral country, they say. When it comes to relief, when it comes to um, war casualties and victims, when it comes to uh, natural disasters, it is the Red Cross that they call for. They are responsible for the, uh, the wounded and the needy of the physical life, but we have a cross that is stained with red, which is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. People together, they are in need. They need leaders and laborers. We have the Red Cross. We have the hospital, which is the church, the fundamental Baptist church. We have the doctor, Jesus Christ, and we have the medicine, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. People need Jesus at this time because they are wounded and they are blinded and they are hurt inside and broken. God help us to see it. God help us to hear it. God help us to grow inside so that our hearts can be hurt, so that we can give and we can walk the distance and we can open our mouth and tell them, like as Dunant has done for the Red Cross, we ought to do likewise. Amen. God help us. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it. Hurt our hearts, Lord, so that we can do what Dunant has done. I think we can because we have a greater call. That is the Red Cross that we have and we can all mobilize to be able to do this great job, which is missions. Thank you, Pastor.